Today is October 19th. This is the Boys of Spring podcast. I'm Ryan Miller here with Peter Flaherty, and we're back for episode 12. We haven't put out a podcast on the Boys of Spring. I think the last time we did was around uh, playoff time for the NCAA tournament. But Pete, how's it going, man? It's great. I'm fired up to be back. I'm excited to, to talk about some of these storylines in the fall with you and um, kind of gearing up for a great 2023 college season. Yeah, and a lot has changed on the transfer front, and I got to see that in full force this summer, and we can both kind of go over how our summers went. Um, but with the transfers, I mean, we had guys on my team that one day they would go to one school, and then I'd show up at the field a couple of days later. They'll be like, hey, I'm going to Texas next year. I'm going to Charlotte next year. I mean, it was just crazy. Was that kind of the same experience for you? Yeah, I'm sure every team was different across the Cape and, you know, the experiences will vary, but we had a few high profile transfer guys as well. Christian Little being one of them who we'll talk about later in the show, but yep. the the volatility in the college baseball world is at an all time high. Thanks to the transfer portal. It's almost like a de facto free agency because you'll also see guys who will enter the portal just to kind of test the waters and see where they might get offers from what other schools might be able to present to them. And something like that, I think, is particularly of, I guess, harm slash risk to these mid-major programs. A, a couple off the top of my head, you know, Ball State and College of Charleston consistently yeah. piece together really good seasons and develop really develop guys at a really great clip. So, you know, when you look to send someone up to the Cape, you're kind of competing against some of the other coaches who I know for a fact, because I saw him at the stands in our game and I'm sure it was the same for you, but there would be coaches who would come up to a recruit guys out of the portal and, and B um, try and get guys from their own school out of the portal back to them. So it adds a whole new layer of work to the coaching staff. It adds a, a little bit of a layer for us. We don't do much on the transfer side, obviously, because that's between the player and the school, but, no, it's um, it it's. I, I think it'll even get a little more hot per se than it will before it cools down with the whole transfer activity and the flurry of guys transferring yeah. in and out each year. Yeah, for sure. Like this summer, the big school for us over in Orleans was Charlotte. Um, to start out, one of our coaches on the staff was from Charlotte. Then we had Nate Furman, who got drafted in the fourth round this year. Um, we had Austin Knight. And then Donye Evans, who I'll break into in a little bit once we talk about some under-the-radar transfers in college baseball. He went from Vanderbilt to Charlotte. One of our relievers went from a Division three school to Charlotte. So, I mean, there's connections all around college baseball. Guys know everybody. And as soon as a player hits the portal, Garrett Gilmet was telling me this. It's like 10 minutes later, you're getting calls from schools. And they, they're putting together offers, and they really want you. They're pretty aggressive about it. Um, but speaking of this summer, how was your Cape Cod League summer? Yeah, well, I, I guess to your point, too, with um, Carter Trice, who was a, uh, another guy who we'll talk about later on, but um, the coaching staffs at all these schools, there will be one coach that's on his phone or on the computer literally just refreshing the transfer portal on a – on a minute to minute basis. And, you know, there'll be schools again, like you said, that reach out within minutes of you entering the portal with an offer, um, wanting to get in with you and all of that. So it's a really, really interesting dynamic and a, and a rather aggressive one. 
Um, because the longer a higher profile player like a Garrett Gilmet or a Carter Trice stays in the portal, the more offers they're going to accumulate. So I think schools want to get in early and often with them and, and give them an offer that another school can't match or, or what have you. But um, my summer on the Cape, really, it was I, every summer in its own way is the best summer of my life, just because of, you know, you meet new people and, and players that you become so close with. And each team is really, really special in its own way. So it was, it was a lot of fun getting to show up to the park every day, interacting with the guys, interacting with the scouts and, and whoever else I might see uh, around the league, especially you, I always, Orleans was my favorite team to play because of that. Um, and it's just the talent you see, whether it's on your own club or on the other nine high quality clubs is, is exceptional. I know you have your kind of list of guys going in that you're excited to see, but then also there are guys that show up and surprise you. I know one for me and probably everybody was uh, Riku Nishida on Hyannis. He was, oh my goodness. He was, to me, he was the most fun and electric player in the league. And defensively, he was a wizard at the plate. He was, he was, I know he was the toughest guy we had to get out. He was, I mean, the bat to ball skills are elite. I could go on, but no, this summer was outstanding. I'm excited to head back this summer in a different role as an assistant coach and second year as director of baseball operations. But um, yeah, this summer was, was really, really special. It didn't end up how we wanted it. Um, much like how it didn't end up for you guys, but yep. it was, it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. And you, you nailed it. I mean, the biggest thing for me this summer, and this was my first summer on the Cape is just building relationships. Like with everybody, I was the scout liaison. So obviously talking to scouts, talking to media, talking to head coaches and recruiting coordinators that come and see some guys in the transfer portal. And yeah, I mean, just the coaches, anybody who you come across, it seems like you're meeting somebody interesting every single day. Got to meet Al Leiter and talk with Al Leiter for like three hours one morning. That was awesome. Um, some big, big writers that I saw as well. But yeah, and back to Niku real quick, or Riku, sorry, Riku Nishida. I believe, and since we're talking about transfers, this this fits in perfectly. I'm pretty sure he's going to Oregon. Yeah, a little bit of a foreshadowing to my, uh, to maybe my underrated transfer, but yeah, he's headed to Oregon and then building off of what you said about the relationships. I think that's a huge part of what makes the Cape so special. And I think the intimate settings in which you catch a lot of these people is it adds to it and adds to the quality of conversation you might have. I know Peter Gammons was, was, and is a, uh, I guess a, he's a frequent flyer at the, at all of these Cape league parks and Al lighter, like you said, is, is super tight with you guys in Orleans. Um, Jeff Ponce, friend of the program at BA is yep. you always will count on seeing him in a game. So it's really great to, to see so many different people within the game, whether it be a writer or like you said, a scout, a cross check or anybody and, and getting to pick their brain a little bit and seeing what they have in return for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I got to meet, the assistant director of scouting for the Yankees, the one game they had like, like five people from the front office, they're watching guys. But like you said, it's crazy. The people who you will meet on a daily basis. And let's break into some transfers here. First, before we break into the article, which is up on just baseball.com right now, high impact transfers in college baseball. Let's talk about some underrated guys. And we could start with hitters if you want. And I'll just start with my guy real quick here. And that's Austin Davis outfielder from West Virginia. He's going from West Virginia to TCU and just a very exciting player. He hit over 330 in his senior year last year. So he's grad transferring to TCU. 
And this guy has one of the strongest arms in college baseball. He's one of the best defenders in college baseball. And he's also one of the fastest runners in college baseball as well. And because Katu Ketlier, uh, Victor Scott was playing center for West Virginia, he was getting most of his reps in right. And from what I was, I was looking at with some research, it seems like TCU has a pretty good center fielder right now. His name's escaping me right now. Elijah but, Nunez. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see if Austin Davis ends up patrolling center, which I'm confident that he's very capable of doing, or if they'll go with Nunez and, and stick Davis back and right. But definitely a guy who could help TCU in the future. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he was a great player for West Virginia, and and he's used to the conference. He's used to the arms that he's going to see and, and kind of the environments in which he'll play. So I think it'll be a seamless transition. And um, I guess – Going into my guy, I was really wrestling between two. One was Colton Ledbetter going from Samford to Mississippi State. Uh, he had an outstanding year for Samford in the spring, hit three, I think 20 or so with 16 jacks and 16 doubles. And this summer, he just lit it up in Newport uh, in the NECBL. He won the league MVP at 365, 11 yeah. home runs and 10 doubles, um, which in a really, I think top tier summer league is, is outstanding. Um, and he'll factor in right away as an everyday guy for, for Chris Limonis. And he more than looks the part. I mean, he's, he's a strong kid. He's really physical and he's got a great swing. So, um, he wasn't my most underrated one. My most underrated one was Riku Nishida from going from Mount hood now to Oregon. And I think, for those who saw him this summer and got a, a, a taste of the kind of player that he is, you will I, not I forget it comes as much of a surprise. I mean, it's, he's a plus runner. I, I think he's a double plus runner, at least a plus defender at second base. It's probably 70 contact at the plate. I mean, he is such a tough out and he knows his game, which I think is a, a, an advanced trait. I mean, he's not up there trying to sell out, um, trying to look to shoot a gap or shoot one down the line. I mean, he is consistent ground ball line drive and he lets his speed work for him. I mean, he'll just, there were times where he would just pound the ball into the ground and reach first on an infield single, steal second, steal third, um, and manufacture a run. And while the PAC 12, I think is widely viewed as the most cleanly played baseball in the country and the, probably the, the best conference in terms of arms. Um, I don't think Riku will struggle that much making the transition because I, the caliber of arms that he saw this summer, um, are pretty comparable and even a little better as a whole than what he'll see in the pack 12 more than likely. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with Oregon. I think he's going to factor in right away as their everyday second baseman. Um, and then looking forward to the draft form, he's a really interesting guy because I don't remember the last time he has a really unique profile, obviously super undersized. Yeah. Um, came over from Japan and he's now draft eligible here. And I, I, I could really see a team. I, I, I'd be kind of surprised actually if a team doesn't at least, you know, draft him at, in, at day three and, and, and signs him because I think he's incredibly valuable and the makeup is elite and he's just going to be such a spark plug for the, for the ducks and, and coach Waz's crew up there. Yeah, and if there's one lock for a guy to go viral this season, it's probably Riku. Because oh, yeah. like 
I, I don't know if there if any videos came out from this summer, but those viral videos that you'll see from Japan of guys just getting in the pitcher's head, doing all this crazy stuff in the batter's box, that's that's him. That is is that's all that he does. And it, it works. He's yeah. I mean, he's just such a problem causer. I mean, like he caused absolute fits, especially for us and everyone across the league. But I remember there was a sequence. I think it was either. I think it was game one of our playoff series, actually, where he hit a ground ball in like the five and a half hole. Obviously, he beat it out um, with his speed and um, he was on first, stole second. Um, our catcher got a little lazy with his throwback to the pitcher and he picked that up. And so on the second pitch of the following at bat, he takes off for third on the throwback. Um, and then our pitcher again was kind of, I guess, not locked in for lack of a better term. And um, he was putting his head down as he was getting set again. It's just like Riku picking up on little things on the fly. Yeah. Um, and he noticed this and he, he pulled off a straight steal home. And so I think that he's, He's one of one in a lot of ways, but the baseball IQ side of things, and he's just such a dynamo. And I, I, I think the up, I, I don't want to say upside because there's, it's going to be, it's like 10 power, but um, <laughs> what he'll bring to both the, you know, on the field and then also to their clubhouse and dugout is going to be really, really valuable. And I think people will on a national level, will be able to see that this spring. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move into pitchers. I'll just start real quick since I started with hitters, but mine is Donye Evans. I mentioned him earlier. He's going from Vanderbilt to Charlotte. Now, that seems like a pretty like small jump in, in a sense of going from a program like Vanderbilt down to a mid-major like Charlotte, but Charlotte's really sneaky, and I really like what they're building over there. Like I said before, I got to interact with a lot of their players and coaches and the recruiting coordinator. And Donye, he was probably on Orleans, my favorite pitcher to watch this entire summer. He has a four-seamer, a two-seamer, a cutter, slider, curve, change. It's a starter mix, and this guy gets swings and misses with all of them. And, I mean, he's six six. I think he topped at 96 this summer coming off of a full season. So just a guy to watch, especially for the draft. He could be a day two guy, and maybe he could work himself in to the back end of round two. Yeah, I know to your point, he threw against us in, I think, our the first time we played you guys. It was a doubleheader. And, yep. and this was when we had hitters, for those listening. We had Cam Collier, Chandler Simpson, Victor Scott. Um, we were pretty loaded with pro guys and, and high-end draft picks at that and Donye, like like you said, he looks the part. He's six six. There's good clay there with the projectability, and the pitch mix is nothing. He throws is straight. Everything has a little bit of life to it, and he's really really advanced with how he pitches. He can pitch with a lot. He can he can pitch with his fastball. He was pitching with his curveball. Um, he I mean he can pitch with his slider, and then he was pitching with his changeup. So. He can get right-handed and left-handed hitters out. And um, I think he's got a really, uh, really good chance to kind of explode as presumably as the Charlotte Friday or Saturday guy. Yep. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in the middle of day two, kind of in that 
fifth to seventh round range or so, but definitely a chance to play, to pitch himself up. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, if he has a big year, there's, there's a lot of things to like, as we mentioned previously, the pitch mix, how tall he is, the projectability and another 80 makeup guy. So definitely somebody to watch for. Yeah. Um, Going off of you and a my underrated guy, I don't think he's as underrated as Donye because um, I, I, he was a he was a guy out of high school and and was a contributor last year for Notre Dame. But I've got Roman Kimball going from Notre Dame now to um, South Carolina. I he was a guy that I knew a little bit out of high school. He got some pro interest up here in the Northeast. He was super young for his class. Um, the compete level is just off the charts and he is a similar to Riku. He is just a a dynamo on the mound. Like he right now it's fastball slider changeup predominantly. I know if there's anyone who's going to really work on himself and, and try and better himself and make himself into the best pitcher he can be, it's Roman Kimball. Um, and this past spring, if you look at the numbers, it was rather modest. They, he wasn't really used much until, uh, until I think March or so for Notre Dame. But once they started using him consistently, he was turning in really good outings uh, minus a couple of hiccups. And then this summer for Chatham, he, he was, he was their guy. Um, He, he was a starter. He was able to show that he could go deep into games. Um, The fastball is electric. It has ridiculous ride and carry through the zone. And he kind of comes at you from a really tough angle. The vertical attack angle is really low and the ball, it, it just explodes out of his hands and he gets a lot of swing and miss with it, especially when it's up. The key for him with the fastball is keeping it up because that's when it just really takes off on hitters and and guys will just swing straight under it. And what I was most impressed with this summer, because I hadn't seen him pitch live since high school, I obviously watched some of his games at Notre Dame, but you can't really tell much on TV, but the slider really got a lot better. Um, it was still a little bit inconsistent and had a little cut action to it rather than slide, but when it's on, it's, it's got a chance to be a really, really good pitch. It's pretty heavy horizontal. Um, and it was again, a pitch he used against righties to get swing and miss. And I know right now he's working on developing a changeup and, and being able to use that effectively against lefties. So I think he's a guy that you might see this spring. I know that South Carolina plans on using him in their weekend rotation and he's a there's a chance that he 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 performs really well following will sanders and and even gets a team usa invite i think that between his makeup competitiveness and obviously present stuff those are pretty good ingredients to have a a really successful spring yeah i definitely agree i like what i saw this summer on the cape from him as well in the limited time that i saw him but another guy and you know south carolina has a pretty unique position, I'd say, because they weren't that great last year, um, but a very historic program. A lot of big leaguers come out of South Carolina. So Roman Kimball, like you said earlier, backing up Will Sanders, that could be a pretty valuable one too. All right. So let's move in to the article. And we'll start with LSU. And this is probably, and I know all the transfer stuff is relatively new right now, but this is probably the biggest haul that we've seen one team get over an off season. And it all starts with Tommy white, who, if you watched any college baseball last year, you probably know who he is. 
He hit 27 homers. He hit 362 for NC State. He's heading to Baton Rouge. How do you feel about him? I think that I think his performance speaks for itself. Um, yeah. Coming off of one of the best freshman seasons in college baseball history, there's an argument to be made it's the best ever. Um, that's quite a piece for Jay Johnson to add to a club that also returns a lot of talent with Dylan Cruz, Josh Pearson, um, Joe, Jordan Thompson, and he's going to slot in right there for him at third base and DH. I know that he wants to play on the left side of the infield, um, which was a little bit of the reasoning why he, he felt uh, a switch in schools was necessary, but no, I, I, Tommy last year, we all saw it and it wasn't a fluke against lesser opponents in early February. He, he just hit and hit and hit. And it, it was almost impossible to pitch to him, especially um, he's unique in that he loves the outer third and outer upper outer third to, to hit. I mean, he just drives the ball really comfortably the opposite way and works the right center field gap. So I know he's performing really well this fall to, to nobody's surprise. He's already posted an exit VLO upwards of one twelve, Um, and I, he's, he's probably the fa- favorite, I would say, but up there for the favorite for sec player of the year it's going to be a, yeah. a, a pretty fun race i think between him and dylan cruz and other guys like enrique bradfield um wyatt langford could go on but no i i think that's a great get for lsu and it, it didn't stop there it also didn't stop on the field one of their more valuable additions i think not necessarily from the portal um was twins big league pitching coach wes johnson yes. and the experience that he brings um, I think that's going to work wonders for their arms, especially the high-end guys that they've got, like Thatcher Hurd, who was an outstanding get, Christian Little, a great get. Um, and then another returner, Grant Taylor, who was probably the most impressive arm I saw on the Cape. Um, so they they have just an embarrassment of riches between Tommy White, Christian Little, Thatcher Hurd. Um, they were in the mix for Reggie Crawford. Um, they had Dylan Tabraki who got drafted. Um, and they've also got an outstanding freshman class. You could look yes. at guys who are already performing this fall. Chase Shores is throwing the ball. Well, Paxton Kling is, is being the dynamic, arguably five tool guy that he is hitting the ball. He's running really well. Um, and then Zev Ruddle is, I think he's hit four, four or five home runs already this fall. Wow. How many games? Oh, maybe just as many games as I I think they have a great Twitter account. It's like LSU baseball data or something. And I'll, I'll go and look at it after every fall scrimmage they've got. And every day for notable performance, notable performers. I think I see Zeb Ruddle is a guy who is at least like one for three, two for four with a Jack. Um, And then maybe the, biggest X factor guy that they got was Skeens from air force. He's going to just like he did at air force. And just like he was going to do this summer. Um, he's going to play both ways for him as um, their DH and pitcher. I'm interested to see how they use him as a pitcher, not necessarily because of, I guess, you know, what he brings, but they just have so much talent because they're, you're going to have a weekend rotation. There's going to be an odd man out between Skeens, Hurd, Little, and Grant Taylor. And I have no idea who that is if they opt to move Skeens into a late innings role, which I don't think they'll do because he was starting um, 
he was starting games for him. I think he started a fall scrimmage for them. So again, he's a guy who, who can hit high level pitching, um, hit for power. I don't, I think he profiles best as a pitcher professionally. I wouldn't be shocked if whoever drafts him starts him out as a two way and kind of rides that wave for as long as they see fit. But yeah, he's another guy who will slot in on their weekend rotation with Thatcher hurt. I think those are the two locks. And then I think it's going to come down to, to Grant Taylor and Christian little for that Sunday slot or wherever they kind of see fit for one of those guys to, to throw. Yeah. So with Skeens, he's coming in from air force um, over two seasons with the Falcons. He hit 367, 453, 669 with 24 home runs and 31 doubles. So, I mean, he, he can swing at his fastballs up to 97. He has a slider changeup as well at a 272 ERA and struck out 126 in 112.1. So another very legit transfer. If I was the head coach of LSU right now, I'd probably put him as the Saturday or the Sunday starter, most likely. It'll be interesting to see if they have him DH during his start days as well. That's yeah. definitely something to think about. I know he did occasionally at Air Force, um, and he actually got off to a slower start hitting last year. And I, I remember vividly because I was texting somebody about it, but his numbers when he was throwing on the same days he was hitting weren't great at the dish at least. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they just have him pitch on that day and don't have him hit. And then the other two slot him in a DH, but it'll be interesting to see. Um Jay Johnson is one of the best coaches in the country and yeah, he's got a great staff with obviously Wes Johnson, coach Wanaka, coach Gordon, they got from Duke, who's a, a fantastic recruiting coordinator. So they have a lot going for them. I think these, this is probably the highest expectations a team has had again, at least in recent memory in college baseball um, while I've been alive. Um, so it's going to be, they've got a target on their back and they'll have that for the whole season. Um, but I think between Jay Johnson and, and the talent that they've got, I think that they're going to live up to it. Yeah. Here's, here's a fun thing to think about. Would you take this year's LSU team or last year's Tennessee team? Oh man, that's a, that's a brutal hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're both I think... stacked. <laughs> I so I saw Tennessee of last year play. I haven't seen this year's LSU play, which that's, I think after fair. I see LSU play, I'd be able to answer it better. Um, last year's Tennessee team, man, they were stacked. Beck, Gilbert, yeah, I mean, Dolander, Beam, Tidwell, Burns. I could just name their whole team, really. Um, I think fully healthy at a neutral site. I would take Tennessee in three games, two to one in like, very a close. In, in like a regional setting. Yeah. Yeah. And you just mentioned some pitchers with Tennessee. And so we'll round out this LSU segment with two more transfers that you touched on a little bit a second ago, Thatcher Hurd and then Christian Little with Hurd. He got hurt towards the end of last season, um, a back injury, I believe. But through 34 innings, his first 34 innings in college, he owned a 1.06 ERA. So he absolutely dominated across that stretch. He was a big 
draft guy coming out of high school, but he's decided to make it to LSU or uh, not LSU, UCLA, now LSU. Um, six foot four, mid 90s fastball, good breaking ball. He's a guy who for 2024 could be probably a top 10 pick, I'd say, at this point. Obviously, there's a lot of time in between then and now, but a very high upside pitcher that LSU just got and possibly their Friday guy. Yeah, I think that he'll definitely slide into that Friday role. I think it's going to be between him and Skeens. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if they go with Thatcher Hurd. And his, like you said, you mentioned the stuff, his slider is outstanding. I, I forget the exact whiff rate he got on it last year, um, but it was it was very, I think it was top three in the country for an individual pitch. Wow. Um, and then it's crazy to talk about Christian Little as not being overlooked, but like the underrated guy of both the transfer hall and their class. But he was a guy who I had the privilege to be around this summer a lot. And he's makeup wise. It is elite. Like it is 80 makeup. He goes about his way. He goes about his business in such a professional way. He's super coachable. Um, there's really good present stuff between his fastball curveball slider. It's, it's a starters mix. And he's a big physical kid. What I was most impressed with this summer um, from, I guess, just a build standpoint was how big he is. Like he's got a really thick lower half. Um, he's every bit of six, four. Um, so they're going to roll out to, you know, they're going to roll out a pro rotation every yeah. weekend. And even their midweek starter is going to be probably one of Christian at, Right now, it might be Christian Little. So, I mean, to have that as your midweek guy is like, I don't, that's, it's unbelievable. The, yeah, it's the depth not that they comparable. have on both sides of the baseball is, is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, he made a pretty big name for himself as a 17 year old freshman and just, you know, pitching in big games. The numbers didn't look great as freshman year, but last year, he only started three games. He pitched an 18, 3.72 ERA. So, you know, that's a nice year. He has a good pitch mix, and I definitely think that he he eats either the Sunday starts or the midweeks for LSU this year. And let's talk about two more pitchers here, Oklahoma State and Florida. The first one we'll talk about is Jerron Watts-Brown, who went from Long Beach State to Oklahoma State. He's a guy who pitched a dominant no-hitter against UC Riverside last year. He struck out 16 hitters. And with Justin Campbell departing Oklahoma State, I think they found their new Friday guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Oklahoma State is, uh, again, they're a program, I think, and especially in the last five, six years, that has really worked themselves into the that top tier in college baseball. Um, Josh Holiday has done a great job there and their entire staff. And so you mentioned who they lost last year, obviously with their rotation piece of Justin Campbell, they lose Bryce Osmond. Um, they lose Griffin Dorshing. They lost a lot. They lucked out with Nolan McLean coming back after being a third round draft pick. Um, but obviously they had holes to fill. Um, they brought in another outstanding freshman class highlighted by, um, by Nolan Schubert. But again, freshmen aren't going to be ready to step into those major roles right away. So they went and got Jerron Watts-Brown from Long Beach. They went and got Jansen Kiesel from BYU, who are two guys who will throw on the weekend for him. 
Jerron was a guy I watched this summer and and you watched this summer and and he was he was lights out for Falmouth. You look at yep. the body, it's he's a really good athlete with projection there. Um it's a four pitch mix, fastball, slider, curveball change. His slider is, I think, a double plus pitch, and he showed it on the Cape, gets a ton of swing and miss with it. Fastball again was up to about 94, 95. Um, it's a pretty easy, repeatable delivery. Um, he checks a lot of boxes, and and Jansen Kiesel, I think, is the more overall electric of the two. Um, he's a little more drop and drive style of pitcher. The slider when it's on is is just as much of a wipeout pitch as Jerron. And there's bigger velo there. He'll be more 95, 98. Um, he was up to 99 and allegedly bumped a hundred against um against the Rangers instructional league team. So wow. they yeah, they bring in two big time, probably day one arms with Jerron going on day one this year, Kiesel day one in 24. So um they just went and reloaded and between those guys and a, a good freshman class and a good crop of returners, they're going to be, I mean, they're going to be right in the mix again to, to go to Omaha. Yeah. So my roommate this summer is the head student manager at Long Beach state. And there was not a player that he talked about more than Watts Brown. I mean, everything about this guy, the way he pitches, as you just said, with, with all the stuff, he's, he's going to be a force for Oklahoma state and probably a day one draft guy very, very soon. And the next guy that we're going to talk about, Hurston Waldrop. He is one of my favorite pitchers in college baseball. He reached 102 last year. I believe that's accurate. Um, But even if it isn't, he sits in the mid to upper 90s and just strikes out everybody. He struck out 140 batters over 90 innings. So Florida loses Hunter Barco. And I believe another guy who they lost who wasn't a huge name, but Timmy Manning as well. Um, and now they, they get Waldrip, another Friday night guy. He's going to shove for them. And do well, do you think that'll start on Friday? Probably, right? Yeah, I think with Waldrip, um, he'll be their Friday guy. I know for for him, interestingly enough, I think he was down to Florida and Stetson um, wow. were his final two. Yeah, so a little bit of a, a curveball there with Stetson. But like you said, Waldrip has – he might be the most electric pitcher in college baseball. There's at least an argument to be made that he is with him and Dolander. Um, He's his delivery. It's a little bit of a lazy comp, but his delivery is a lot like Jack lighters at Vanderbilt. Um, He he's just, you know, he's a super good athlete. He's got an electrically fast arm um, and the stuff to boot the fastball. Like you said, is, is kind of his calling card with the velocity and he can hold that velocity deep into outings. Um, and then he's got a breaking ball that is just a, like, I mean, it is, it is a demonic curveball that he can land for strikes and also spike in the dirt and get swing and miss on. And he's, he's gonna, man, the sec is going to have a, an absolute loaded, loaded group of, of guys this spring, both yep. eligible and not eligible for the draft, but, yeah, he factors in as probably Florida's Friday guy. I have no doubt that he'll perform well. He performed well in the limited amount that he threw for Team USA before getting shut down. Um, and I think that he's going to put up some 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 really good numbers for O'Sullivan. Yeah, for sure. Another guy to watch on that Florida team, he got hurt towards the end of the year, is uh, Pierce Capola as well. Um, that's why I was hesitant for a second 
a minute ago, just thinking about who would actually start Friday. And, you know, Waldrop obviously being one of the best pitchers in the country will get that nod and probably Capole on Saturday, I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So our next team is Arizona State. We're going to start with a guy who I watched every single day this past summer, Luke Heschel. He was like a Swiss Army knife for us. One day he'd be playing first, the next he'd be playing short, then center, then left. But I talked to a beat reporter who covers Arizona State baseball. My other roommate from this summer, Jack Loader, he said that Heschel is going to be their starting shortstop. So a, a pretty, pretty dynamic player here. There is a little bit of swing and miss in his game, but he has big power, very powerful swing, and his defense is, is good at multiple positions, especially shortstop. I was going to say, you're the Luke Keishel expert from the two of us. So I'll let you take the lead on it. But what I saw is like, he'll, he, he plays bigger than he is. I mean, he's not the, yep. the tallest kid, but like you said, it's, there's power that plays in game. Um, a little bit of swing and miss, especially against uh, spin and a little bit of chase. But I mean, he's a consistent barrel finder and puts the ball in play and hits the ball really, really hard consistently. I know he, he killed us both last summer and this year. And so if he's going to play shortstop for Willie Bloomquist, um, I've got no doubt one, two, that, that Willie's going to, Willie's going to develop the defense really well, being a, yep. a former big leaguer himself. And um, no. So if, if Keishel can show that he sticks at shortstop and, and hitting the pack 12, that's, I think you're looking at a profile that, that fits probably the first round, early second round. Yep. I, I definitely agree. And like, like you just said a second ago, player development's a big thing. Like he, he hit for, for San Francisco, obviously their competition probably wasn't that great, but he came up to the Cape the past two summers did well both years. And now he's going to Arizona state. And I, I really think that he's, he's going to ball out there. The next guy is a very interesting pitcher, in my opinion. He might be the top college lefty in this next draft because there's a lot of right-handed college pitchers ranked very high for this upcoming draft class. But Ross Dunn from Florida State, his work was overshadowed a lot by Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard last year, but he still struck out 92 over 60 and two-thirds innings. Uh, His fastball from the left side has touched the upper 90s has a good slider and changeup combo as well. So a guy for Arizona State who, in my opinion, they're in desperate need of because he can, he's probably one of my picks to make the biggest jump forward and really put his name on the map this spring. Yeah, you talk about underrated guys in the transfer portal. I think Ross Dunn also fits the bill. Um, Coming off of a, I think a better than, advertised I guess you could say season at Florida State like you said it was it was going to be tough for anyone besides Hubbard and Messick to to make a real name for themselves as a starter um but he struck out almost 15 guys an inning or (laughs) that would be be, great yeah that'd be pretty good um 15 guys a game or per nine innings um he the ERA was a little high but he threw well for Team USA this summer Um, and that was a great get for Willie Bloomquist. I know they've been, they've been kind of looking for this bona fide ace for a little while now. Yep. Um, and kind of getting back to the powerhouse Arizona state that they were a little while ago. 
So I think these are two really good building blocks, both for this year and their goal to try and make it back to a regional, which I think that they, they've definitely got the roster to do so. Um, but also for the future and in bringing in these high caliber guys, I know that they were also a finalist for Christian little. So yeah. it shows that their coaching staff is doing all the right things and recruiting these guys. It's a program that guys want to buy into and they're ready to buy into. So I think the future is really bright for Arizona state, whether that's this year, um, even though I think Dunn and Keisha will really perform for them um, or in the future. Uh, I, I think that they're in a really good spot. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that they will make a regional this year for sure. They had, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Drake Varnado, I believe yeah. that's his name, really highly touted guy out of high school. He also transferred there. He'll be playing second base for the Sun Devils. Uh, he's coming from Arkansas. So an, another good transfer, as you mentioned. And I th- I think they they got Timmy Manning as well, right, from Florida? I think so. I'm almost positive they did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they did. Willie brought in a lot of good guys to kind of just build depth everywhere and give themselves a, a good uh, building block with Ross Dunn in the rotation. And speaking of guys that are a little bit under the radar or names to watch, especially for this upcoming draft, Maui Ahuna goes from Kansas to Tennessee. I saw him for one doubleheader this summer on the Cape, and then he left for Team USA. But in 103 career games, he has a 979 OPS for the Jayhawks. So, like, and while playing really, really good defense at shortstop as well. So, Tennessee probably just found their new shortstop. Yeah, I'd say they definitely did. And they, they found probably one of the more premier shortstops, if not the most premier shortstop in the entire SEC. Um, I know this summer, in a really limited sample on the Cape, he got a little bit blown up but i think that you can attribute that to a number of factors the main one being him in the portal deciding between schools a whole lot going on outside of the field and i know it's easy to say well you know you got to leave that and and not bring it with you but where it is summer ball you know even though it's the prestigious cape league it is still summer ball at the end of the day um so i'm not at all worried about the the k rate um i think it was 15 and 24 bats um, but all he did for Kansas in the Big 12, and people forget that the Big 12 is a good conference, even though Kansas has had their struggles. Um, he's facing really good talent week in and week out, and all he's done is hit. It's not a super physical build, but he's got great hands at the plate. It's really good hand-eye, and he's got plus speed that he 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 kind of shows when it's, you know, he puts a ball on the line or in the gap. So, and Tennessee on the development side, they're great at developing hitters and pitchers alike, but I know from a hitter standpoint and playing in more of a hitter friendly ballpark, you'll probably see a little more power from him and he's going to stick at shortstop. He's got the traits to stick at shortstop. He moves really well. He's got a good arm. Um, And he can, he's not super physical right now. I think that being with a high quality program like Tennessee and having access to the facilities that he does, I think he's going to be able to put on a little bit of good weight and, and he'll show up a little bigger this spring. So that middle infield of Maui Ahuna and what figures to be Christian Moore over there at second base, it is, that's, it's going to be tough to beat. And and again, you just kind of look at the sec and these guys that they're bringing in, you know, as a hole in the conference, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be must watch baseball, probably every single sec series, because it seems like every single club, whether you're talking about 
Tennessee, who is a who won 53 games last year, or Missouri and Kentucky, who are a little bit underrated. Um, everyone's got their guys. So it's it's gonna be some really high quality baseball. Yeah, needless to say, I cannot wait for the LSU Tennessee weekend. I saw that somebody released their schedule, and I, I think it's like towards the middle of the year. But that's just going to be electric. That's going to be unbelievable with the talent that both of those teams have. And another guy who's coming from a mid-major up to a major ACC program in North Carolina State. And you got to watch him a lot this summer, Carter Trice, coming from Old Dominion. He's a guy who can hit homers, he can swipe bags, and he can move around the field. So tell me a little bit about Trice. Yeah, so he's a guy, I think that, again, he's – I wouldn't put him in the underrated category because it was, it was pretty widely discussed when he was, he, when he committed to NC state, but um, there's a chance he's the most impactful transfer in the entire country this year. Um, yeah. He's got five tool upside. He's, he's made the shift to the outfield and he's a, he's a plus runner. He was, I had him at three, eight on a bunt down the line to first um, this summer, which is, I think it's a, I think that's like 65 run Yeah, In the outfield. He's a good athlete. Um, he takes, he's gotten better and better since making the shift from the infield. His routes have gotten a lot crisper. Um, his reads a lot better. And he actually has the arm to, I think, stick in right field. Um, it's, I, I gave him a six arm when he really lets it eat. Um, he's been up to 96 from out there and at the plate, he's, it's like, I'd say 60 game power with a developing hit tool. I know this fall at NC state, what his main focus has been is, is shoring up his approach and getting a more pro approach rather than maybe selling out for homers and getting a little Homer happy. So I know all of the reports out of Raleigh this fall have been super positive in that regard. He's, he's making a lot of strides with, with two strike approach. And, and he's just been, I think he's been their top performer offensively this fall and he's gotten faster and he's a man on a mission to say the least. Again, it's Uber competitiveness, great makeup. All he, all he cares about is winning and he'll do that at any cost. So um, Carter Trice in the spring is going to be a scary, scary sight for anyone that's facing him. And he's a guy who I think will go on day one of the draft and sitting here now, I, I, I think that he has 2020 upside um, this yeah. spring for, for NC state. NC state is another school that has a great track record with developing hitters. Um, you could, they've got a laundry list of guys you could point to Tommy white, obviously uh, Gino Groover trice is even just in his limited time has, has taken immense strides. Um, so the upside there for him and the wolf pack is, is limitless. And I'm excited to see him. It takes a lot to fill the shoes of somebody like Tommy White, but with Trice, a couple other uh, transfers that I like, Calais Harrison from Texas A&M, he was solid up on the Cape. And then a couple of grad transfers to fill out the outfield, Trevor Candelaria and also Parker Nolan, both from Davidson. They absolutely balled out there. So it'll be interesting to see. And losing a guy like Tommy White obviously hurts, but I think this team has enough right now to be competitive. Yeah, I do too. And in talking with people around the program, they're really, really high on, on a lot of guys. Carter Trice, obviously the headliner, but they're excited about guys like Noah Souls. Um, obviously, Gino Groover. Peyton Green is another one who 
probably is a first rounder in 2024. He's a defensive wizard more than looks the part at six, three, one ninety. You can add a lot more power to him too. Has he been um, playing third? He's, yeah. I, he's going to figure in at shortstop for him. That's, that's okay. his most natural position. Gino will play third. I think around the infield, it'll go from left to right. Gino, Peyton Green, Kalei Harrison, and there's a chance they might shift Noah Souls from the outfield over to first base to make room for for Carter um, because Carter's going to be an everyday guy for him. But yeah, Peyton Green is going to finally be in his natural position. Last year, he was in third. Uh, he was at at third, and a lot of the errors that you saw were were kind of on the mental side of things. I know that. Um, you know, he wasn't used to playing over there at third. Things get a little fast for freshmen commonly. And there were some growing pains, but I know he's hitting for both average and power um, this fall down in Raleigh. And he's a guy who I think is going to turn a lot of, a lot, a lot of heads nationally this spring. So I guess Green and who's their other third baseman, Josh Hood last year. Yeah, I Hood, they, they Hood and Green were kind of anchoring that left side between short and third. Yeah, yeah, and they lose Josh Hood as well to the uh, the MLB draft. I believe he's a Seattle Mariner now. So, yep, uh, definitely a team to watch. There's, as you said, some young talent there, especially with Peyton Green. So that's all that we got. That's the end of the article. Like I said before, if you'd like to read the article, the written version is on JustBaseball.com under our college tab. Before we go, though, I just wanted to mention a couple of things that we have coming up, some things that we're going to be talking about. Um, I'm going to I'm going to knock out some fall reports. I'm heading up to Rutgers in two weeks, I believe. That's a program to really watch for this spring. They got a lot of guys. They got a couple newcomers in uh, Trevor Cohen and also uh, Max Martin. They're both going to fit in there. So that's a team to watch. I'll be doing some fall reports. We're going to get some team previews done. I'm working on a piece right now about LSU's recruiting class. And then at some point, probably a little bit later in the fall, I'm going to put out our first top 25 of the year. That's not going to be anything to make or break. Just things that we're hearing this fall, recruits, transfers that have come in and how we think that they will fare. So Pete, any closing thoughts? No, it was it was great to to get back on here with you and talk about what was a busy off season in college baseball and what's what's been an exciting fall so far. I'm I'm jealous you're getting to see Rutgers between Slight Brito, Corota Grauer, um, yeah. Max Martin. They're going to be a really fun club to watch. Lasco. Um, so I I I think that we're going to be in for a fun fall and and we've got a lot of stuff coming both on the podcast side and on the written side. So we're excited to take you along with us. For sure. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will will see you next week.